BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Friday, June 26, 2020, coming up on Rolling Martin Unfiltered. The House passes D.C. statehood bill the first time in history. We'll give you all of the details. Yesterday, they passed the George Floyd Act. Attorney Ben Crump will join us to discuss that. Uh, Donald Trump is trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. We'll talk with a doctor about what a disaster that would be in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. There are a number of Republicans pushing back against Donald Trump. We'll show you the ads that they are hitting him hard. Plus, we'll discuss the need for oversight of the payroll protection program with the president of the National Bar Association. Plus, actress Anjanou Ellis joins us to talk about the Confederate flag could very well be coming down 
off the state flag of Mississippi. Boy, wait till we have a conversation with her. Plus, singer, songwriter, my girl, Terry Ellis. The, the show intro, the song? Yeah, that's her and Cindy Heron. Uh, they saying that. She'll be here to tell you about her new song, Angry Woman, dedicated to the folks protesting all across the country. Plus, comedian Dulo is on the show. We're going to tell you about the new deal he's doing. Y'all, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Folks, it was huge news at last night after the uh, the House. All Democrats, with three Republicans voting with them, passed the George Floyd Act. Of course, that is all about police reform. Uh, that's what the act is focused on. Uh, of course, it was led by the Congressional Black Caucus. Now, this took place after, <clears throat> of course, after Democrats scuttled the bill uh, in the United States Senate. Now the question is, will the U.S. Senate take up this bill Will they try to work on it, go to a conference? All of those things um, we'll see. Yesterday, though, folks, uh, there were some great uh, speeches on the floor yesterday. And this was one by Congresswoman Ilhan Omar of Minnesota. Check this out. All right, let's, we'll try to figure that out, what's going on here. So... Uh, let's try that again, folks. Uh, we can uh, uh, get this uh, audio here of Ilhan Omar. Just, it's a really great speech as she laid out uh, in terms of why this bill is important. So uh, let's see if we can try it now. Go ahead, guys. All right, we're trying to uh, get it. To, uh, let's see if we can get it going. All right, so I'll play it in a second. Let me do that first. Let's go to my guest, uh, Ben Crump, of course, uh, attorney for the George Floyd family. He's going to be joining us in just a moment. Uh, this, <clears throat> this bill is really important because what the Democrats want to do is they want to ensure that three things took place. First of all, you had the outlawing of chokeholds, no-knock warrants. Uh, then also you had, of course, getting rid of qualified immunity. That is something that they did not want in the Senate bill. Uh, you had Tim Scott, who made it perfectly clear that that was not going to be the case. Well, that's why you sort of had this back and forth uh, going on. So uh, we're trying to uh, sit here. And so we're having just, just some slight issues here. Okay, so uh, let me uh, see if I can uh, get this uh, going now, folks. And so just give me one second, uh, pulling this up. Uh, here is Ayanna, Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts. Go to her first. has been robbed of a child. On behalf of every family member that has been forced to see their loved one lynched on national television, driving while black, jogging while black, sleeping while black, we have been criminalized for the very way we show up in the world. Under the harsh gaze of far too many, my black body is seen as a threat, always considered armed. Centuries of institutionalized oppression will not be undone overnight, for racism in America is as structural as the marble pillars of this very institution. 
With the power of the pen, we must legislate accountability, dismantle these systems, and move in the direction of justice and healing. The Justice and Policing Act is a critical step forward, and I applaud the leadership of the Congressional Black Caucus. But our work is unfinished. There is a rallying cry in communities across the nation. Black Lives Matter is a mandate from the people. It's time. Pay us what you owe us. Our black skin is not a crime. It is the beautiful robe of nation builders. Thank you. I yield. That was uh, that was Ayanna Presley uh, speaking right there. And so what I want to do right now is I want to see if I can pull up uh, the, um, uh, the the clip of Congresswoman uh, uh, Omar. Of course, she, of course, represents uh, the uh, particular district where uh, George Floyd actually was uh, murdered by the police. Uh, gave a really powerful speech again on the floor. And so that's what we want to be able to uh, play for you in just a second. Uh, let's see if I can go ahead and get this. Uh, there's an issue with the video on her Twitter page. And so that's what uh, the problem is. And so we'll try to get that straight. Let's bring in uh, my panel right now. I want to bring them in uh, to talk about this story, but also another big issue that is, of course, statehood in D.C. Teresa Lundy, principal founder of TML Communications, Derek Holly, president, Reaching America, political analyst, and also Rob Richardson, host of Disruption Now podcast. Uh, Three Republicans join Democrats in voting for this, uh, that particular uh, bill, the George Floyd bill, and the families, the families of victims. They uh, endorsed that bill, the families of Tamir Rice and others. What's interesting, Rob, is to watch Republicans want to make the whole focus, oh, Democrats are disrespecting Senator Tim Scott, as opposed to representing the interests of the families who actually had folks killed by cops? Yeah, I mean they're trying to they're trying to focus on the one, of course, African American center that they have, and they put him in charge of it, not to actually get it done, not because he's a black man, but because they can they 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 are attempting to seems like block real reform, because uh, I don't understand their argument. You know, as Republicans, don't they believe in small government? Don't they believe in in, in, in accountability? Isn't that what qualified, getting rid of qualified immunity will do? So why is it that they believe in all these principles, but when it applies to helping African-Americans and, 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 and making sure that police have some accountability, suddenly none of those principles apply. Like, no more small government. We need to have full protection, and government needs to do whatever it can. It can run over people's rights. I mean, I just don't—I want consistency. If you, if you believe in small government, show me small government. Do it across the board. Otherwise, you have no principles, and you should just move out the way. Um, all right, let's go to uh, Teresa. Teresa? Uh, Teresa, I think you're on mute. I need you to unmute yourself. Am I live? Now you on. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, I agree with those sentiments in its entirety. I think there is another um, bigger issue where there, when we're talking about African American leadership and um, what the Republicans could have brought to the table, I think the only thing they brought to the table was Senator Tim Scott. Uh, and his ability to be one, an African American male, and and two, also uh, just bring across this uh, George Floyd um, uh, situation to to the forefront. I, I think there could have been more senators backing him on this, um, not in silence but in bold. Um, but it also speaks to the tone of the entire Senate uh, and and how their lack of unity on this issue um, really does also show uh, how how big their response is. Because if we look at other legislative pieces that they've backed, um, they've made sure that they were um, 
you know, uh, standing in attention with everybody else. But I think on on this specific issue, they allowed Tim Scott to be out there alone. And I just think it's just telling uh, of what their uh, agenda really is. Well, here's the deal, Derek. OK, fine. They didn't agree with Sir Tim Scott. But this whole play by Kevin McCarthy and others, oh, they didn't, they did this because uh, they were, they kept calling Token, the black guy. I'm like, don't try to sit here and pimp this game. Democrats simply said the bill had to have qualified immunity, no chokeholds, had to have uh, no-knock warrants. Senator Tim Scott's bill did not address qualified immunity. Okay, they don't that's, agree with that. That's not true. That's not true. His bill did address all three of those issues. Did, did it get the rid of it? In his, look, the, the difference in his bill was in the Senate was they were offering it as incentives. Those three initiatives that you just mentioned, uh, they were offered as incentives for these the police departments. If they did, if they went ahead and did and implemented these policies, then they would be incentivized with more money from the federal government. And this is not the first time that something like this has gone on because they did the same thing when they changed the drinking age, legal drinking age from 18 to 21. They incentivized the states to move forward with, with, with money. The same thing they did with the seatbelt law. When they, they ordered everybody to wear the seatbelt, they incentivized the states to do the, to do that. But here's the and deal. But, here, the but Derek, thing. but Derek, so what you're saying is that the same thing with this. Derek, right? Derek, so what you're saying is that the Democratic bill completely outlawed it. The Senate bill incentivized it. Well, what I'm yeah, exactly what I'm saying. So, so is rolling just because they yeah. outlaw it. Can I finish, please? Just because they outlaw it does not mean the guys that they're going to that they're going to implement it. Because right now, many of the police departments right now have outlawed the chokehold. No, 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 hold up, hold up. Again, again, if it becomes federal law to outlaw, then you do it, you've now just broken federal law. Second, the point about qualified immunity. If one bill incentivizes you to, uh, and the other one completely outlaws it, the Democrats are basically saying is, we're not going to give y'all more money to actually get rid of it. That's a major point of difference. Yeah. That's not a major point of difference. It is. It is. How is it's, that not? not? How is it not a major point How of difference that when you have one because side that's saying, not. we're going to work what, to give you more put, money what, if you don't what, do it? Hold on, hold on. Second, so like, one second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Derek, finish your point. Then Rob. There it go. Like I said, this is not the first time that a major piece of legislation has been put forth to this country by incentivizing states to move forward. And something as big as this right here, just because you outlaw it, does not mean that these states are going to abide by it. Well, wait, again, but wait a minute, Derek, 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 wait a minute. Derek, hold up, Derek. I don't know, but I'm, try, I'm trying to, hold up. I'm trying to, I'm, I need you to clarify something. I need you to clarify something. So if they incentivized it, can't the state still ignore it? If you, if you still you would have the federal funding from it, yeah. what's the difference in you outlawing and ignoring? Oh my God, uh, uh, Rob, go ahead. Okay, wait, so, we, we, so Derek, we have had a time when we've done this with policing. It was a 1994 crime bill and it's a disaster. Incentivizing the policing does not work. It has deadly results. You need to out. Opinion. I mean, this is not a look. This is not hard. <laughs> outlaw chokeholds. Why is that? Why is that difficult? That's outlaw the fact that you know, if you Derek, 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 he let you finish. Let him finish. Rob, okay. go. 
Yeah, if you go and you and you're an officer and you act recklessly like that officer who killed George Floyd and you somehow are allowed to get off criminally, you I've, you should be sued. You should lose your house. I don't care. You took away somebody's life. Why is anybody defending that? Why is that okay? Like, well, there's no incentivizing out of that. We need to stop who, people from I, murdering people and hold them responsible. It. Period. End of sentence. All right, Derek. Okay, Derek, go ahead. Defending it. I'm not defending it, and I don't think anybody is defending that type of behavior. No one, no one's defending that. At the same time, we're trying to figure out how we move forward to get this piece of legislation passed so that it can protect black people. I want to bring. I want to bring. I want to bring in Ben Crump right now, Attorney Ben Crump. And Ben, say it again. Mark is on. Okay. All right. We was. Uh, I'm sorry. I was texting Ben, uh, and he said he was going to be uh, calling in. The the thing that. I, I need to deal with on, on this here, Teresa, that, and, and I hear Derek on it, but here's the deal. If you're the Democrats, why, why must I, why should I accept less than? The, if the House bill outlaws chokeholds, outlaws no-knock warrants, and gets rid of qualified immunity, why do I have to accept Senator Simscott's version? That's the whole point. The House can pass whatever the House wants to pass. The Senate can pass whatever they want to pass. Then they go to conference committee and there they work it out. We shouldn't accept, as a Democrat, we shouldn't accept less than what we're due. And it's interesting that we can't get it done um, on the federal level, but uh, statewide here in Pennsylvania, um, on Wednesday, we were able to, and, and this is a Republican-ran um, Senate, we're able to ban the use of chokeholds on the officer's effort to detain an individual. Um, and it will require every municipal police department to adopt the use of force policy, publish that policy for the public, and train its officers to That's that standard. And again, so we've been putting, you know, e even locally, I think states are doing it, is putting local reforms together and making sure that in the, right. in the state that they're actually implemented because we're still having these issues federally that we just can't get yeah. it together. So I, I think I, I, everybody is taking, you know, an intricate um, appeal on their own um, government locally. And I think we, unfortunately, we have to continue to do this because I, who knows if this is going to be a federal mandate. Yeah, because you, you need to, and like incentivization, that's not going to work to incentivize. We need to change the culture of policing, period. It has to change. And that only comes through accountability. Uh, and you're not going to incentivize the FOP to change their culture. You're only going to do that through accountability. When it, when you can no longer get away with murdering somebody just because you're a police officer, when you can no longer just say, I fear for my life despite the evidence, despite the circumstances, when that's no longer the case, you will see a change. Uh, I may not be able to stop somebody from lynching me uh, and feeling and feeling that way about it, but I can make it illegal and make it harder, just, not, just like Dr. Martin Luther King said. This, this, this needs to be harder. Right now, um, you, Derek, you said everybody agrees with this. No, everybody doesn't like because they're not because they're, they're allowing an environment to where this can be empowered, where the culture where it's acceptable and incentivizing is not going to work. And so I want to take the politics out of it. I don't care if they're Democrats or Republican. I want these people to value my life. It's not a political issue to me. This is about humanity, period. This is real simple for me, Derek. Now, I agree the, with you on that, the, 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 this is what Teresa said earlier. Just now she just said that in Pennsylvania, like Pennsylvania and many states, they've already outlawed the chokehold in these different. But these That's guys, these police departments, they haven't they haven't implemented the policy. 
And I agree with, with, with Rob, what he said. It's about our lives right now. And both Democrats and Republicans need to put their, the D's and the R's aside and get this done. Well, again, this is real simple. The House has passed their bill. The Senate, all Mitch McConnell has to do is call that bill up for consideration. Or you know what? Go back to the drawing board with Senator Tim Scott and negotiate a new bill. That's nothing that says you can't negotiate a new bill. Simple as that. So, I, so I mean, I, yeah. so like, so all this, all this drama from the Republicans is like, yo, this real. Look, the Democrats passed a bill to fix the Voting Rights Act after the Supreme Court gutted it. It's still sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. So all this, uh, back for law. But look, I, I don't want to hear it. Bottom line is this here. Okay, you can they can whine and they complain. Uh, they, they were they said this is about Senator Tim Scott. He's a great man. He's experienced these issues as well. Fine. Sit down and hammer out a damn bill. Like I said, for everybody who's watching me, I want to explain to y'all again how the process works. The House passes their bill. The Senate can pass their own bill. And then what they then do is they then sit down in a conference committee and they hash out their differences. And if they come up with a new bill that they can agree on, then the House votes again on the new bill. Then the Senate votes again on the new bill. And if it passes both, it goes to the president for signature. That's the process. So all this whining yesterday, why won't y'all debate in public? Why wouldn't you debate it in the Senate Judiciary Committee? That's the point of having a committee. See, that, that's yeah. why I'm just, it, it's so, it was just, it was just frankly hilarious, Derek, just watching all the histrionics and all the pearl clutching. And I'm like, give me a break. Well, Roland, I don't understand why it has to be that the Democrats, what they put forth is, is so righteous and the right way to go. No, here's the deal. You, so no, when, hold on, you didn't hear what I said? What do you disagree with? What do you disagree with? Getting rid of Paul. Derek, you didn't hear what I said? No, no, Derek, 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 wait. Derek, you didn't hear what I said? Derek, you didn't? Derek, you clearly didn't hear what I said. What I said was the Democrats passed their bill. The and Senate, the Republicans the, the, no, no, the Republicans didn't pass the Senate, their bill. The Senate, the Senate passed theirs. No, they did not. The they Senate, did, no, the Senate did not pass theirs. They did not. And so what but I'm, no, they did not. So what I'm saying is, the Senate can now Tim Tim Scott can Let go me back. Rephrase it. Yes. No, they didn't. Tim Scott can I go back. He can sit down with Senator Harris. He can sit down with Senator Booker. He can sit. As a matter of fact. If I'm Senator Tim Scott, you know what I would say? I would say, send it back to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Come up with a new bill, and let's see if that one gets passed. But I'm saying all the histrionics yesterday were just laughable as I watched these folks just go on and on and on. Uh, Y'all, do we have Ben Crump? Okay, we, uh, so, so, we, so we don't have Ben Crump yet. I do want to get him on and talk about this here. Um, it's so, I'll say something very quickly on this. I, Rob, I go ahead. Say that. If you don't have qualified immunity, I don't think you have much of a bill. Like, I don't understand. So I think, I think, I think Democrats need to make Republicans explain why is it okay for officers to have no accountability when they do things like kill people when they don't have any right to. Why are you defending that? Make them defend that. Because we, there has to be some substance to what we pass. We don't want to pass something just to look like we're appeasing people. We need to pass something to change things structurally, period. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. And here's the other deal. 
Let's be real honest. Politics is politics. If you're the Democrats, you're watching a situation where you may very well take over the Senate after November. Guess what? You can wait to get a better bill. Happens all the time. Ben Crump joins us right now. Ben Crump, of course, uh, civil rights attorney, represents the family of uh, George Floyd. Ben, you have been talking to people on both sides. You've looked at this. From your perspective, which is a stronger bill, the Democrat version in the House or what Senator Tim Scott proposed in the Senate? It's not even close, Roland. Uh, the bill presented by the House of Representatives is much stronger. It gives us the systematic reform in the culture and the behavior of policing in America that we have been asking for for decades, Roland. Uh, even before Trayvon Martin, we've been working on these type cases saying what we need is accountability from the police department. And that happens with the House of Representatives. It does not happen with this Republican bill from the Senate. And um, so, look, Dems passed their bill. Now the Senate doesn't have that. They could take it up. They may not. Uh, as, as Mitch McConnell, first of all, has, has, has majority Leader McConnell talked to any of these family members? Uh, has he t gotten their perspective uh, in terms of moving forward? Not that I'm aware of at all. I know they have not talked to George Floyd's family. They haven't talked to Breonna Taylor's family. Uh, and Roland, I believe that their bill actually supports the police funding more than it does anything about trying to bring accountability to these situations. And that's the problem. Uh, the Republicans are still not going to the crux of the matter, which is accountability for those people who keep killing us unnecessarily, unjustifiably, and senselessly. Well, and, 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 and that really was a problem for me where, I'm sorry, I don't think everything always has to be, oh, get the cops more money to do what's right. No, damn it, do what's right. I shouldn't have to incentivize a cop not to kill people with chokeholds. People with chokeholds. Exactly, Roland. And, and they don't even ban the chokeholds when you look at the Republican, you know, uh, proposal. They just try to encourage or decentivize people not to do chokeholds. And since George Floyd case, Roland, our law firm has been retained by three families who uh, loved ones have died for being restrained by police officers in chokeholds for longer than George Floyd's eight minutes in 46 seconds, uh, being Joel Oscavado in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Derek Scott in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and now this uh, brother uh, Lopez, who is in Tucson, Arizona, who was for 11 minutes being strangled by the police, and he asked for a cup of water three times rolling, the Republican bill would do nothing to address those issues. All right, Ben Crump, we certainly appreciate it, man. Thank you so very much. Much. I appreciate you, Roland. All right, folks, let's now talk about D.C. statehood. Today, for the first time ever, the U.S. House passed a bill uh, to make Washington, D.C. the 51st state. Folks, uh, 700,000 people in the District of Columbia pay taxes. 
have no representation in Congress. This was the debate on the floor today. Then have the treatment that this body gives to those that live in the territories. I believe it's the greatest scam and an okie doke that you have allowed us not to pay taxes and hold that against us to ask for our equal treatment. So keep paying those taxes and you will get your statehood one day. The United States territories that I represent is also not on equal footing with the rest of the nation. There's no representation in the U.S. Senate, no equal voting representation in the House of Representatives. Unlike D.C., we cannot vote for president. We know what it's like to be part of the greatest country in the world, but not a full participant. And it feels incomplete. As Americans, we strive to be productive citizens and asset to the nation. Statehood for D.C. is a matter of fairness that has been slow in coming. This city, built by African Americans with use of forced labor, contributes more in federal taxes per person basis than many states. A punishment to Americans living in the capital, including those working in policy or public service for the good of the nation, to be disenfranchised when they establish a home in the district. This body changed the boundaries in the 1800s to ensure that slave owners could keep their slaves. We have changed the boundaries in the committee to allow for the federal city to still exist and the residents of D.C. to become a state. It's been done by this body before. Don't make it seem like it's something that can't happen again. At this very moment, citizens across this nation are clamoring for change, equality, and justice. With one vote, we can deliver that for the people of D.C. It is time to do what's right and allow the people of this city to feel whole, to feel complete, to feel like they matter. Support H.R. 51. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I want to thank the distinguished delegate congressperson from Washington, D.C. for her steadfast leadership on this. I had the opportunity to work with her predecessor back in the late 1980s in this chamber, uh, Delegate Walter Fontroy, who passed the torch, and uh, Delegate, you have just done a great job. It took 27 years to get this vote back onto the floor. And I was there in 1993 when we came up short. And today I'm hoping and praying that this bill passes. I want to congratulate you on that and to remind others that this is not going to go away. Because at the end of the day, this is really about taxation without representation. One of the original 27 colonial grievances filed against the king which was a major cause of the Revolutionary War. And so when people in Boston had the Tea Party and threw tea in the Boston Harbor in December of 1773, they were making a statement and setting an example for people across this nation to understand that we just can't tax people without allowing them to be represented. And you've heard the great discussions, the cogent points about the fiscal side of this, that D.C. residents pay more taxes per capita than any other state, that they pay more general taxes than 22 states, that they have a budget here larger than 11 states, and a bond rating better than almost 30 other states. But I've heard this discussion when it comes to fiscal matters about the constitutional uh, federation of states, the great words of Hamilton and the Federalists and the Federalist Papers, I understand that, 
But one thing we have to remember when we raise Hamilton and we talk about the Federalists is that their stated belief was the Constitution was meant to evolve, that it was a living document. That's not my impression. That's the impression and opinion of the Federalists. And so if that were not true, I could not be here as a descendant of a slave without the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. Gentlemen's time's expired. The distinguished woman couldn't be here. She had not the right to vote under the Federalist Papers. Gentlemen's time has expired, please. And Alaska and Hawaii, when I were born, were not... Gentlemen's time has expired. I realize that, sir. I want to give all acknowledgement to the outstanding gentlelady, Eleanor Holmes Norton. President Washington said, The Constitution is the guide which I will never abandon. Nothing in the Constitution says that we cannot make the Washington state the Douglas Commonwealth. Frederick Douglass said, there is no power without struggle. The sons and daughters of Washington, D.C. laid down their life for this country in world wars. They stand for this country in service to this government. Why are we denying them their right? Alaska has 700,000 plus people. There is no population requirement. Gentlemen's time has expired. Washington, D.C., a state now. Now, the measure passed in the U.S. House. It now... It will go to the Senate. Now, majority Mitch McConnell has already said he won't even bring it to the Senate to a floor vote. Yet, there was discussion on the Senate floor vote about D.C. getting statehood. And if y'all want to hear one of the most absolute racist, bigoted, discriminatory speeches ever, listen to this ass, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas who argues that Wyoming, that Wyoming has a much more broad cultural interest to be a state than Washington, D.C. The same Wyoming that has 200,000 fewer people than Washington, D.C. The same Wyoming that is 93% white. He complains that, oh, D.C., they will guarantee two Democratic senators. Well, how many Democratic, how many Republicans are senators in Wyoming? Two, listen to this racist talk. Most of Washington was under the control, not of the federal government, but of a left-wing politician like Muriel Bowser, who frequently takes the side of rioters against law enforcement. Would you trust Mayor Bowser to keep Washington safe if she were given the powers of a governor? Would you trust Marion Barry? More important, should we risk the safety of our capital on such a gamble? Now, of course, the Democrats will argue that the statehood bill doesn't entirely eliminate federal control of Washington because it preser preserves a small federal district that encompasses the White House, the Capitol, the Supreme Court, the Library of Congress, the National Mall, and a few other government buildings. <laughs> what a humbling demotion from the grand federal city that President Washington and Pierre L'Enfant envisioned more than 200 years ago, which they hoped would rival Paris in size and ambition. By contrast, look at this ridiculous map. Look at it. The Democrats proposed to turn Washington into little more than a gerrymandered government theme park, surrounded on all sides by a new state, controlled, of course, by the Democrats. The federal government's safety and independence 
cannot be assured by such a laughable district. Again, look at it. It's got 90 sides. A mere city block, less than 200 yards, separates the White House from the proposed boundaries of a new state, governed at present, at present by a politician who hates the president. The Supreme Court and several congressional office buildings are right at the edge of the map, separated from the new democratic state by the width of a single city street. In the event of an emergency like the Philadelphia Mutiny of 1783, those narrow boundaries could jeopardize the operations of the federal government. Consider also what's not included in this ridiculous new map of a new Washington, D.C. The headquarters of the Department of Homeland Security would be outside the federal government's control, as would be the headquarters of the FBI and the FCC, which governs all communications. Now, y'all see that little, that little racist little rant there? Ooh, Muriel Bowser. And what if Marion Barry was the governor? Um, he, he does know that you've had governors that have gone to prison in states. Rob Lagovich in Illinois, prison. Governor Ryan, prison. Governor Edwards in Louisiana, prison. In West Virginia, they impeached the entire state Supreme Court. So do you see the, the nonsense? That, and I'm gonna go to you, Derek, first. Because you're Republican. Okay. You're Republican. That was absolute racist by Tom Cotton. Well, I would say black black people. Black people. Oh, we we can't trust okay. these black people to govern. Okay. Oh no. Can I finish? Go ahead. I did not like the comment about my man Marion Barry. Okay, because he is the people's mayor. Always has been. He's done a lot for people in D.C., including giving jobs to my wife and a bunch of other friends. But the thing about it is, man. You know, if you look at what they've been talking about, D.C. statehood, it's been an issue forever, okay? And according to a Gallup poll of 2019, last year, two-thirds of Americans said no to D.C. being a state. And the bigger issue is, you know, D.C. has 700,000 people. Puerto Rico has 3 million people. Where's the outrage for Puerto Rico being a state? And I think it becomes more of a political wait, issue Wait, wait, right wait, now. wait, 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 hold on. I think on. it becomes more of a wait political a issue right now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm going to let you finish, but I, I, I want to put a pin in it, and I want that Puerto Rico point. Yeah. What about it? How did Puerto Rico become a territory? I don't know. You tell me. You, you must have an answer. Oh, I got an answer. Mark, okay. uh, Mark Thompson joins us. Mark or Rob or Teresa, one What's of y'all. What's Mark Thompson? No, he, 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 <laughs> he, here's why I'm saying this, because Washington, D.C., Mm -hmm. is actually within the United States. Puerto Rico actually was a prize that we captured. Mark Thompson, you've gotten arrested a whole lot for statehood. You, you heard what Derek just said. I'm going to let Derek finish, but the Puerto Rico point, Mark, explain why that's, that's an illogical point. Do I thought, which part do I get to finish or are you going to let Mark No, no, go? no, no. I'm a, I want Mark to speak on how the Puerto Rico point is made is illogical. Then it'll okay. come back to you to finish. Mark, go ahead. Well, I'm not sure what he's saying. Is he saying that Puerto Rico is more deserving? 
Well, he's saying there are, three, there are 3 million in Puerto Rico and just 700,000 in D.C., but it's only 500,000 in Wyoming. Get you to chase around not what I said. Mark, go ahead. That's not what I said. So here's the thing, and thank you, Roland, and thank you for showing all those clips. Here's the thing about Puerto Rico. Um, Puerto Rico has a right to its own self-determination. And I know at one time, Puerto Ricans voted, they had a choice between independence and statehood. And I think there was a slight majority in favor of independence in terms of being their own, con own country. So, you know, I don't think we should make that decision on behalf of Puerto Rico. If people of Puerto Rico want to be an independent nation or they want to be a state, that's up to them. Um, as far as uh, D.C. State, statehood is concerned, this is... The Washington, D.C. is the only national capital in the world. And we're talking about countries that the United States holds responsible for human rights violations and lack of democracy. Even those nations, their national capitals have representation in their national legislature or parliament. It's only D.C. that doesn't. It has always been because of racism. And, and just to be fair, um, in 1993, we organized the original Tea Party. This Tea Party, Republican Tea Party, that came in under Obama, that's a whole other thing. We dumped tea on the Capitol steps every Thursday and committed civil disobedience every Thursday for months throughout the summer of 93 to get the first ever vote for D.C. statehood in 1993. The Speaker of the House at that time was Tom Foley. Um, 58 Democrats voted no. And I'm sure that um, the Democratic Party has to look back on that history and realize what a mistake that was. Because if D.C. had been admitted into the Union in 1993, think about how many things that have happened in the past 27 years that would have been prevented with two more Democrats in the Senate with the 51st state. Um, Speaker Pelosi said something very interesting on yesterday, and I'd actually forgotten this. Her father, before there was even a mayor, her father as a member of Congress was the chair of the district committee, which as you know, Roland, oversaw everything in the District of Columbia for decades. In fact, her father was uh, his nickname was the mayor of D.C., and he ultimately was the mayor of Baltimore, too. But he oversaw the budget. Congress controlled Washington, D.C. So what Tom Cotton is talking about is absurd. Um, Congress will have control over what is known as the federal enclave or the national capital service area, where residents do not live. But the rest of that uh, would be named after Frederick Douglass. And finally, there would be um, uh, no taxation without representation, ending that um, colonial relationship. Um, more people have gone to war and given their lives in the U.S. military than many states per capita in Washington, D.C., and more there are more taxes paid per capita than many other states. So oh. it's, it's absurd. It's a miscarriage of justice. And lastly, just let me say that We've got to talk about justice in the fullest sense. So there's justice in policing. Some folk want to do Juneteenth, and that's fine, even though a lot of folk never heard about Juneteenth un 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 until last week. But 
reparations and D.C. statehood have to be a part of that conversation. And we got to stop being afraid to bring it up. We have to stop just pushing issues that we think are acceptable and palatable right. to white folks and white yep. media only. All right, Derek, go ahead. No, great points. But I would just ask, what about the size and, the, and the re, how the district would have to be reshaped in terms of national security and that, trying, and that kind of thing and protecting it? And then how would it be possible to have you know, federal agencies like the FBI, FCC, and Homeland Security, which he did point out, um, you know, outside of district lines. I mean, I'm just, and some, and, and Mark, maybe you can even speak to this. Some say that Homeland Security was actually put out of those district lines for this purpose, but I'm just trying to figure, figure out well, how does it work? Let, let me, let me, Rob, Rob, Rob hold on, wait, 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 wait. Hold work? on, hold on, Rob. Here's what I don't understand there's an FBI office in Houston. Well, that's my. That's, there, that's there, not, there, there are federal agencies located. So that makes in, the right. The, the, so let me, let me say right. it again. Now, hold on. There are federal agencies located in every major city in America. Ain't nobody okay. trying to figure out those, how do they operate. Hold on. Hold up, Derek. 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 You can't. Derek. You can't ask for everybody else stop talking when you talking. If you talk when everybody else talking. Rob, go. This is real simple, Derek. Uh, there, uh, Roland's already explained it, but in any place, anywhere, we have federal. We have federal buildings, and the federal government still has control. That is made up. They're just trying to use ways to scare people. You know that. That has nothing to do with anything. So that no control would change making making Washington, D.C. a state. Let me just say that it's real interesting listening to Tom Cotton, though, and hear him talk about the things that he was uh, mentioning there. You can always know, particularly what my friends on the other side talk about gerrymandering, to even talk about gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is, is, is a concept for at least since the 1980s Republicans have mastered. And they've, Lord, been, they've been doing it for a long time. I'm going to give you one example if you want one, Derek. Paul Weigrich, you can look him up. He's the founder I of the conservative movement. Right one second. Let Rob Wait. finish. Wait. He's the founder of the, of, of the whole conservative party movement recently in the last 30 or 40 years. He didn't want everybody to vote. It is on tape. Rolling can find it. He said, I want to make sure... Because because democracies aren't won by those who participate. It's just though it's not by the it's not won by the majority of the people, but those that are able to participate. So the strategy of what they're doing, what they're doing in Kentucky, what they're doing now, what they've been doing for years is figuring out ways to disempower uh, citizens. And so I think that's anti-democratic. And, and and the fact that that a party would make that part of their objective just shows you mm. that they don't believe in the people. They just want to preserve their power. And so I don't understand mm. the argument of why a whole state that pays that much in taxes shouldn't have a right to be, uh, that territory shouldn't have a right to be a state. And if Puerto Rico wants to, let them join. I'm not against democracy. If, if, if they want to come in, let them come in. These are all distractions. They just don't want to give the power to the people, and they should have the power, period. I uh, believe in democracy. I believe in people. I don't know why Republicans don't sometimes. I, I want to pull in uh, Teresa right here. Uh, Teresa, the, the reason I find Tom Cotton's comment uh, comments to be... Um, absolutely hilarious. Um, how many Republicans, how many states right now have two Republicans? Multiple. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh my God, there will be two Democratic senators from a Washington, D.C. state. There are two Republicans. He, he kept going back to Wyoming. 
And how mm -hmm. he, he said how Wyoming has much more work, much more working class. I love I, I love the little language. It's ninety three percent white. Mm -hmm. That's what Tom Cotton really is saying. Wyoming is white. D.C. will be black. So part of that is the other piece that I heard uh, was that um, Mayor Bowser doesn't like the president. Right. <laughs> and so right there for me, it was kind of like, OK, all right. Thank you for your talking points. I, I love that this whole thing is scripted. Uh, but as we kind of talk about what the territory and who is going to pretty much going to be running those areas, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Roland. I do believe that this is um, another ploy on the Republican Party to say that uh, African-Americans, you know, cannot um, govern, you know, in its totality, this such of a large um, um, a state, if there was one. Um, look what they've done so far. You know, they put Black Lives Matter uh, sprayed in yellow on the streets. And what else would they do? You know, in, in so many words. So I think, you know, if I'm in agreement, if Puerto Rico wants to become a state, great. I'm sure there'll be people behind it, but it seems like, you know, with their 3 million people that they have, um, they are very comfortable with, um, again, this is just just seeing it because there has, um, hasn't been anything that's been put up, but they seem like they're very comfortable with receiving some of the benefits of being a part of the U.S. So if D.C. has been pushing this for 27 years, it is fine time that, yes, they become a state and we they get the representation they need because there could be more things that could happen that'll be in their benefit. And I think it just needs to be a little bit more um, viewed um, as it relates to some some of the uh, practices and policies that are happening um, in a larger scope with other um, not only just, you know, the seasoned elected officials, but maybe some of the new generation to start taking a look um, at some of those policies to see what um, can be done. Now, here's what I find me real funny, y'all. Here's the deal. And I just count it. There are 18 states in the union right now with two Democratic senators. Derek, there are 22 states with two Republican senators. Y'all, I'm gonna go through it. Go to my iPad. You'll see it right here. Alaska, two Republicans. You see the two red lines. Uh, you go Arkansas, two Republicans. You go Florida, two Republicans. Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana. Then we go Mississippi, Missouri, uh, then I go to uh, Nebraska, let me go down to North Carolina, North Dakota, let's go to Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, hmm, let me go right on down to West, uh, let me go down to, uh, and Wyoming. So, Derek, I don't want to hear that bullshit from Tom Cotton. Oh, they're going to be two Democratic senators. When right now, of the 40, out of the 40 of the 50 states, only 10 have split delegations. Sit the hell down. <laughs> Look, I live outside of the district right here, man. And so I go back to the issue that I was trying to, the one point I was trying to say before. 
They can't even protect the borders now. Now you're talking about making it, how many, 96 different borders, 96 different sides. And the other thing is, like, I go back to this too. Two-thirds of Americans already said in the Gallup poll that they were against it. Stop. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Derek. Derek. Who gives a a damn? Derek, who gives a damn what the other Americans have to say who aren't paying taxes? Those two-thirds other Americans have representation. No. No, Derek. Those other Americans have representation. So it's real easy when you have a member of Congress who gets to vote. It's real easy when you have two U.S. senators to say, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't have it. Again, there are 700,000 citizens in the District of Columbia, 200,000 more than Wyoming. So why in the hell, wait, 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 let me finish. Why in the hell should Wyoming get two U.S. senators as a member of Congress, but D.C. can't? And Idaho and lots of other states you can name, but go ahead. I was just going to ask, don't we, won't, won't, won't it have to go through having an amendment for this to happen? Doesn't that have to go? Doesn't have to no, we have to have no, no, a constitutional no, amendment it, for this Mark, to happen? Mark Thompson, so, go right ahead. It's, it's already, it already went to the Supreme Court a few mm-hmm. years ago, probably about 15 years ago. And the ruling is that this is a political matter. It is not a judicial matter. You don't need a constitutional mm-hmm. amendment or anything. Um, that's already been reviewed. So all of that is just stuff to hold this up. This is, any state can be admitted into the union via a simple majority of the legislature. Uh, And to your point about um, the agencies and the different government buildings, as Roland Mm -hmm, said, mm -hmm. there are federal agencies in every single state in the union, and it has no impact on the running of that state. As a matter of fact, and this was one of the problems in D.C., when a federal agency takes up land in a state, the federal government makes a federal payment to that state to offset the loss of taxes and property for their presence. And so for Mm -hmm. 200 years, D.C. was not getting even a fair federal payment for the federal presence as other states were. And so this will also correct that injustice. So, no, all of those arguments are ridiculous. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the real resistance to this, and you heard him mention Marion Barry. Um, Congress never wanted black power in D.C. Right. And this is bipartisan. I want to just say this point. we got to say this because— uh, two ahead. black senators. Let me finish. I wait, wait, Mike, Mark, go sure. ahead. Go two ahead, black senators. Um, the fear of both of those senators being Democratic, and who knows what might happen in the future. But but even the argument, really, this is 2020. I'm surprised that we're having a conversation about safety and security. That was one of the silly arguments that the founders had and why they moved to D.C. in the first place from Philadelphia and New York, because they didn't want to be besieged by other states. That's over and done with. That's That's a a 200-year-old argument as well. This is 2020. Got it. All right, uh, Rob, final comment. Final comment, Rob. Really quick on this. You you know, Republicans play chess and Democrats play checkers. Democrats should have done this when they had had the votes. If this is the first time we've done this, okay, this is all great when you can't get it passed. But if we ever get the votes, and we will at some point, I want to see this come up and actually have the courage of our convictions and then pass these things when you have the power. Got it. Mark Thompson. 
Make it plain. I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. God bless you all. All right, folks. Uh, today, for the first time in two months, Dr. Fauci reappears. As well as Dr. <laughs> Berg's talking about coronavirus. Why? Because we're seeing a spike in the country. This is Dr. Fauci today speaking before the cameras. Such an unusual situation because of all of the decades that I've been involved in chasing infectious diseases, I've never seen anything that is so protean in its ability to make people sick or not. There's no other infectious disease that goes from 40% of the people having no symptoms to some having mild symptoms, to some having severe, some requiring staying at home for weeks, some going to the hospital, some getting intensive care, some getting intubated, some getting ventilated, and some dying. So that depending on where you are in that spectrum, you have a different attitude to this particular thing. But anyone who gets infected or is at risk of getting infected to a greater or lesser degree is part of the dynamic process of the outbreak. And I know because I can understand when I was at a stage in my life when I said, well, I'm invulnerable, so I'm going to take a risk. I think what we're missing in this is something that we've never faced before, is that a risk for you is not just isolated to you. Because if you get infected, you are part, innocently or inadvertently, of propagating the dynamic process of a pandemic. Because the chances are that if you get infected, that you're going to infect someone else. And although you may feel well, and because we know, if you look at the numbers that you're probably here later on, the overwhelming majority now of people getting infected are young people, likely the people that you see in the clips and in the paper who are out in crowds enjoying themselves, understandably, no blame there, understandably. But the thing that you really need to realize that when you do that, you are part of a process. So if you get infected, you will infect someone else who clearly will infect someone else. We know that happens because the reproduction uh, element of the virus is not less than one. So people are infecting other people. And then ultimately you will infect someone who's vulnerable. Now that may be somebody's grandmother, grandfather, uncle, who's on chemotherapy, aunt who's on radiation or chemotherapy, or a child who has leukemia. The Department of Justice is actually arguing that the Affordable Care Act should be struck down <laughs> before the Supreme Court. Yeah, filed it late yesterday. Now, again, here we are right now in the United States. 2,374,282 cases of COVID-19. 37,667 new cases. Y'all, 692 new deaths. Really? Really? Now we get rid of the Affordable Care Act. Dr. George Benjamin, executive director of the American Public Health Association. Doc, first of all, what the hell was Mike Pence talking about? Oh, everything is reopening. The governor of Texas, my native state, literally said, shut all bars down, reduce capacity of restaurants, and said, y'all stay at home if you have to. Yeah, he was spinning nonsense. <laughs> You've got a, a, a very bad epidemic running through the South. And as you know, they're just they're just pretending like it's not going on. It's the it's the craziest thing I think I've ever seen. Well, and again, what you have is Mike Pence and Donald Trump are in denial because they don't they are scared to death of losing 
And so they're hell bent on reopen the country. But you see what happened in Texas. They did it prematurely. The governor ignored the mayors, ignored the county judges. And now all of a sudden, after opening it, now you got to shut it down because cases are spiking. Hospital beds are filling up. You know, the, the challenge is I think that there were many of the public health experts told them this would happen. Um, you, you delay the preventive measures that we had, and then you rapidly open up too soon. This is what happens when you do that. And, you know, you open up the bars, and then now you got to close them back down again. They closed them abruptly today because, um, you know, people were conjugating in those bars. And, and then they're surprised that lots of young people are getting infected. Right. And then, as you said, on top of that, then they want to take the health insurance coverage away for the people that, that need it in America. And by the way, all of us will be impacted for it. A lot of people don't really understand that every person in America is impacted by the Affordable Care Act if we lose it. I mean, it's, it's amazing how callous these people are. And really, they refuse to listen to doctors and they're hell bent on the stock market. It's, it's just, just, we don't care, open stuff up. And what I keep saying, people are actually dying from this. And now, if you talk about half of the new cases are young folks, let their lungs all of a sudden start exploding and then see what happens. Well, you know, the loss of the Affordable Care Act means that you can no longer carry your child onto age 26 on your policy. So young people will lose their insurance coverage as well. Um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a terrible thing to do. And look, the really fascinating thing for me is the fact that the state of Texas is one of the lead litigants to try to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. And the governor of Texas is now saying, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe we need the Affordable Care Act, um, as well as many Republican um, members of Congress who were actually against the Affordable Care Act are now sending letters saying, well, maybe we ought to not get rid of it. Yeah, that's what happens when you stuck on stupid. Simple as that. Dr. George Benjamin, Executive Director of the American Public Health Association. We appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Roland, thank you very much. Rob, these people have no damn sense whatsoever. I mean, they're, they're, they're really idiotic. Yeah, they really are. And this, uh, the resurgence of the coronavirus uh, was not only predictable, it was predicted. Like, we follow data. I believe in science. They told you this was going to happen, but everybody wanted to reopen the states because they were following the profits. They were following the idiot, the idiocy of the present occupant of the White House just because he said it was a sham. We got to go along with this stupid stuff. And then the, the, the only problem with that, I would be OK with stupid, but other people are dying because of their stupidity. And so us as people, we have to take our own government back right now because we have idiots leading us. We have assholes leading us, and it's causing real significant damage. And none of this is funny anymore. So, uh, yes, so this is predictable. You have Texas talking about shutting down bars. They shouldn't have opened them in the first place. Now they're ironically causing more economic damage on the back end if they would have just done it right on the front end, follow the science, follow the facts, get politics out of it, and actually look out for people's lives. But that's just too much to ask, I guess. Teresa, and not only that, you had the course, you had the hearing, you had the uh, news conference today, and you got... Oh, everybody else wearing a mask. Pence like, damn, I'm not wearing a mask. That's how, that's how, and now you have the doctor saying, hey, could all y'all please wear your mask? It's bad because when you have a, you know, a, a highly skilled um, doctor and Dr. Fauci where people believe them, it's, it's like you're just disobeying the doctor's orders on purpose, right? And now you're passing it down to the citizens uh, of the states. And so, I, you know, I'm not surprised. I saw this three-month um, 
confinement for, for most. Uh, and, and it was literally was unbearable, right? So when the first protests happened and people were just unleashing their masks and raising their voices, I said, we are going backwards. You know, the numbers and the data that we were able to achieve are now going in the tanks. And then what happened? Then we started to reopen, which began with the new phases, right? And so when, when the phases happened, that's when the dining happened. And when you're doing outside dining, the masses are off the in its entirety, right? So it, it doesn't matter how close you know you are. That not, none, nobody was paying attention to rules. No social distancing was happening. The protests, the looting, um, all these are factors that, again, all happened if everybody was responsible. But again, um, it really comes to our leadership. So if our leadership is not doing what the doctor prescribed us to do in order to get out of this effectively, then we are at a loss hope. And look, bottom line is, Derek, all, all the good that came actually out of the lockdown, they're about to squander it. Agree. But I would say that all of it don't go back to the administration because there were, there, were, there were standards put in place by the CDC that the states were to follow, and that control in terms of opening up the states was by the governor's call. Because right here in Maryland, we opened up until months after other places. And so now I think it's going to be left up to the states to handle at this point, just like, as you said, your state, your home state, Texas, shut everything down. Yeah, but I, I think but, a lot but, but, of other but, states, unfortunately, are going to shut things down, too. But, Derek, i got to put the blame on the federal government because, like, right now, the federal government is about to pull out of federal testing facilities in Texas while the numbers are going up? That's stupid. Uh, Roland, I, 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 don't, I, can't, I can't speak on that. Um, as, <laughs> well, as more I testing, obviously, I can numbers are going to go up. I think it's up. stupid. But at the same time, I, yeah, if I can finish my point, if I can finish my point, it's the state. They gave control of the state. They had, they had, they had, had a guide, the guide that they had to follow two weeks without the numbers going up, and most of the states, that's what they hit. Those were the guidelines. Those were the measures that were put in place. Those were the metrics. And they hit that, so the states started reopening. And so now we're faced, because of like I said, mostly young people out protesting, unfortunately, with what happened, that's why we're seeing these. Got and these people hanging out in these bars. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the that's Karen's actually and, not been and, true. And actually the, the data has not All right, uh, the Rob, 20 seconds real quick. Go. Yeah, yeah, very quickly. The leadership sets the culture. At the very beginning, he said this was a hoax. He didn't take it seriously. He should have said a national response because it required a national response. Instead, he just gave away leadership and took no accountability. So this is what you get when you have no leader. Um, look, uh, bottom line is you, you just got trifling people. Hey, um, PPP, uh, still a big issue. Congress's watchdog arm call on the Trump administration to step up efforts to police the government's massive small business rescue program after finding a significant risk of fraud and resistance to oversight at the agency running the bailout. The Government Accountability Office targeted the Small Business Administration in a sweeping new report looking at how agencies have used $2.6 trillion in economic relief funds appropriated in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. It was determined in the report that the $670 billion Paycheck Protection Program, which offers small business loans that can be forgiven in exchange for maintaining payroll, had limited safeguards and insufficient guidance and oversight planning, all of which have increased the likelihood that borrowers may misuse or improperly receive loans. This is what happens, Derek, when you, obviously, when you rush something out and you just want to put the money out there. I mean, uh, look, we've even seen, uh, what, I think they said a billion dollars 
and checks were mailed to dead people? No, I, I, I agree with you right there, bro. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was a rush to put the money out there because they wanted to get it out there to the public and thinking that was the right thing to do. But damn, they should have put some type of oversight in place so that this type of stuff didn't happen. And you're right, a lot of big businesses, a lot of white corporations benefited from this stuff. Now, some are giving it back, but for the most part, they're not. And it's unfortunate because now I was on a call today um, with the White House African American Service, okay, and they were giving an update. On, on different things, and PPE, PPP was one of them. Now, there's still a lot of money still sitting there for minority businesses to go and get. Right. But the banks, the banks and everything, they've got to open up lending practices. And apparently, they've met with a lot of the black-owned business, black-owned banks here in the country. Every last one of them, apparently, and and, and trying to extend those opportunities to some of these black these black businesses so they can get these loans. I want to bring um, in. So there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money out there still to be made for black businesses, but it's unfortunate how, what happened with the oversight. I want to bring in Alfreda Robinson. She's president and CEO of the National Bar Association. Uh, Alfreda, glad to have you on the show. Uh, so what is the NBA saying to, to ensure there are protections when it comes to um, that these dollars are not being misused and inappropriate, uh, misappropriated? Well, thank you so much for having me on. We have a very active task force which I established as soon as COVID hit. And part of what that that task force is doing is we're monitoring it. Uh, Obviously shocked by uh, the report by GAO that uh, that there was all these... Alfreda, hold tight one second. Hold tight one second. Having some issues with your shot. Y'all go ahead and work that out. I want to go to... uh, I want to go to uh, uh, Rob here. Uh, Rob, again, bottom line is this $2.6 trillion... Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of money. Of damn money. It really fast. It's a lot of money. And then, then, of course, you had Steve Mnuchin, who initially said, oh, no, no, we're not going to tell y'all who we gave that $600 billion to. Yeah, yeah. What the yeah. hell is that about? That's about Trump being Trump and, and, and the Congress not having enough conviction and, pass and, and, and really uh, fighting. So, look, they act surprised when Trump said, I'm not going to follow the rules. I'm not going to listen to you. you gotta, they should have put that in the bill on the front end. And then when it goes to... African-American businesses, how the PPP was designed to not actually allow you to account for independent contractors and things like that, which most African-American businesses have. Right. That, that, that automatically took us out of it, too. So it should have been a stronger bill on the front end. Yeah. Like in my case, I mean, look, we got thirty eight thousand in PPP loan, but I only have four full time employees. The other six people are 1099s, Teresa. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, the PPP could have done more than what it's done. Um, you know, I have uh, friends who practically, if we outside of the PPP, friends still haven't even received the stimulus check, even if they were coming back from reentry, because the the oversight and the criteria that was uh, being met on on some of these uh, when it was time for them to cut the checks or put the account number, something was going on in the Treasury Department where they're just like like if they if the government released some of the individuals coming home from um, for for COVID nineteen, then they were supposed to get a stimulus check regardless. But apparently there's issues that is going on with the Treasury Department that, you know, they're basically still checkboxing that they're still incarcerated when clearly they're home. And so there's issues like this that's happening over there. There's issues happening with the PPP. And it doesn't bring uh, satisfaction to not only the minority businesses like mine. I I wish I got almost $10,000, right? 
but like you, we have 1099s and then we have the employees and then they're, they're, they're doing some other factors and then they're doing credit checks, Got it. you know, and so the, the credit checks are also a big function of why minority businesses can get <laughs> loans today. So yes, if, if they, if, if, I think there should have been a two week, maybe a month, but no, probably two weeks is enough where there really was some strategy that was thought out about when there's a pandemic, what do we need to do to protect small businesses and lay it out, not lay it out afterwards, lay it out in the beginning. And so I hope when they, when this report is finally finished, that they can have a clear and concise report that is due so we can, if this happens in the future or if this extends more than what we think it does, Got it. Um, that we know how to plan for the future. Alfreda, well, we have we have you back again. So yeah. what is the NBA saying should be done uh, to make the sure? NBA, yes, yes. What we've done is we've actually done four uh, uh, webinars uh, about how to apply, how to reapply, how to get around all of these problems. And our lawyers and and those who have been on the webinar were given very specific um, instructions and what banks still had money and how to work with your community banks and uh, have had success with that. And we're going to repeat that instruction uh, during our convention, which is coming up in July and before. We're looking forward to these reports that are supposed to be due July 1st. But here's what's important. There is an oversight committee, which is chaired in the House by none other than the majority whip Clyburn. And what we what we've seen today with the GAO report, we're going to see and should have reports from the at least nine inspectors generals that were stood up to uh, do the investigation of where the money was going and to whom, and with what amount. All of this should be there. It's supposed to be July 1st. Now, the NBA, we're watching this. We've got experts. We've got our committee chaired by one of our past, co-chaired by one of our past presidents, Benita Banks. We stay on this 24 hours a day. And so we are keeping in touch with all of this. We have accountants who's also lawyers among our members, and we are ready to follow this and demand And hopefully uh, the members of Congress will invite me to testify. We are producing a report and are ready to support small businesses, which is the lifeblood of not only America, but our communities. So if you all need assistance, then we ask that you let us know and we can, again, uh, help with with, with, uh, uh, doing, again, these COVID-19 webinars. We've done many of them, and we are sure that if we are continuing to work, we are drilling down on the legislation because we've studied it for months now, and we will go to uh, the uh, House of Representatives, and we will demand that we get reports from these um, special inspector generals who, who are paying out of this this stimulus money so that uh we we won't just go away and 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 be without uh remedies because our members as well are small businesses and and they have been successful with 
the process of applying for these small business loans, which remember, this was so that you could keep your employees right, right. employed. But also, there are ways of also accounting for your independent contractors. So just, just stay tuned. And All while right. we're here, uh, those who need to reach us, go to nba.org. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, be sure we, we can we can help you through this process with the webinars, which we do, which we offer for free. All right. Angela Alfreda Robinson, president, CEO, National Bar Association. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Folks, going to break. We come back. We're going to talk about several different things. First of all, could that Confederate emblem be coming off a Mississippi flag? We'll talk with actress Anjanou Ellis right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Also, uh, we'll talk uh, about Republicans dropping more ads. Republicans who don't like Trump, man, they are hitting him hard with these various ads. We're going to talk about that next uh, on the show as well. Plus, we'll also have be joined by Terry Ellis of In Vogue. She has a new song out tied to the movement happening in the streets. All of that. Coming up next to Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. All right, folks, we want you to support Roller Martin Unfiltered uh, by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. We want to get another 1,600 people to move us to 10,000. We have had an unbelievable last two months. We thank all of you for your support. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, And so here's the deal. Your dollars actually go to support this show and what we do. Give me a wide shot, Henry. And so I'll give you this here. When you look at uh, this desk made by a black-owned company, we're about to install a new... uh, an entirely new lighting system uh, here as well. Another black-owned company we're talking with, that's uh, who's going to be installing that. Uh, We're about to make a lot of changes to our control room. Uh, Thank thank you to all of you who gave to allow us to acquire that LU Smart uh, app, which we can now then be able to send that app to various people. In fact, the other day with the Breonna Taylor uh, um, uh, protest that took place uh, in in Frankfort, Kentucky, we were able to actually uh, reach the folks there to live stream that rally. Man, what was awesome, 185 thousand views of that particular rally on Periscope, Facebook, uh, and YouTube. And so trust me, you are a participant in helping us build this. And so there are ways for you to give. You can pull it up. You can go to Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, uh, PayPal, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, venmo.com forward slash rmunfiltered. You can give right there on YouTube as well. Uh, there are right now 4,477 of you uh, on um, uh, on uh, YouTube. You can give there as well. Plus, you can send a money order, money order or cashier's check to New Vision Media Inc. New Vision NU Vision Media Inc. 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006, 20006. Uh, you can give right there as well. Here are the folks uh, who've given 50 bucks or more. I told you, you get 50, 50 bucks or more, you get a personal shout out from me. So, Ahmad Whitaker, Akila Young, Alicia Russi, Alicia DaCosta, Andre Stevens, Andrew Williams, Antonio Sampson, uh, Atir, 
Bonita Sheffield, Duffield, Benjamin Williams, Bernard McKeever, Benta Campbell, Bonita Stewart, Bradley Farr, Brandon W., Brendan Jackson, Calandria Williams, Calvin Ray Stiggers, Carla Nichols, Carmen Smith, Carol, Carolyn Reams, Carolyn West, Cecilia Newcomb, Ch Chantel Nelson, Christiana Williams, Christopher Allen, Christopher Orange, Crystal Mackle, Cynthia Leakes, Cyril Mays, Daisy McDonald, Dewan Thickpin, Danny Robinson, Darian Felder, David, Dawn Young, Deanne, Deborah Daniels, Denise Harrington, Denise Haynes, Deanna Patterson, Diana Franklin, Dominique Scott, Donald Collier, Doris Blake, Dr. John Codwell, Duncan Sawyer, Dwayne Sales, Eddie Baggs, Ikimi Howard, Elma Foster, Eric, Eric Woodard, Eric Gore, Eugene Crawford Jr., Farah, Faria Law Group, Flora Martin, Floyd Smith, Francois Varin, Frank Tucker, Freddie Sidberry, Gloria Carter, Golda T. Fried, Grace Folletti, uh, Grace Nabasabala, Gracie Burks, Gregory Horsley, Heather Griffin, uh, Ings Technology Solutions, Jadonna Sanders, James, James, Jane Byard, Jason, Jigster, John Dorsey Sr., Johnny Finney, Johnny Finney, Joy Griffin, Gilletta Martin, and Karen. Again, folks, all of you who contribute 50 bucks or more, you get a personal shout out from me right here on the show as well. And so we certainly appreciate all y'all who support the show. Uh, those of you who are watching right now, like I said, you can get right there on YouTube. We got some amazing things lined up over the next few months that we want to be able to uh, do for you. And that's why this is all about us having a platform that speaks to our issues, our concerns, and not having to sit here as anybody's opinion. We get to cover the issues that we want to cover. All right, folks, in Mississippi, they are closer to actually getting rid of the Confederate emblem on the state flag. Folks, yesterday, uh, actually all week, business leaders Coaches of uh, the state's football teams have been descending on the state capitol saying it's time to get that emblem off of the state flag. The governor of Mississippi now realizes the votes are not there. I got a text earlier from somebody who's in Mississippi who told me that they believe they now have the votes to actually overturn it. Now, what the governor has been trying to do is he wants the citizens to vote on that. Remember, they had a referendum a couple of years ago, and 64% of the people in Mississippi said, keep that flag. And so the governor wants the voters to vote, but the legislature is under major pressure from the business community because they're realizing they're about to lose a whole bunch of money if that thing stays on. The SEC has already said no championships in Mississippi if that flag still stands, the NCAA, same thing as well. Joining us right now is actress Ingenue Ellis. She has been a strong advocate against uh, this flag, uh, speaking out against it. Ingenue, uh, again, it's not a done deal, uh, but the legislature apparently says they'd have the votes to actually vote to remove that emblem from the state flag. That's what I'm hearing, too. <laughs> Uh, you've been fighting this thing. You you were here in D.C. a few years ago. We covered it. Y'all had a rally on the U.S. Capitol. You've been out here raising hell. Uh, obviously, you don't celebrate until it's actually done. That flag comes down. But the looks like the murder of George Floyd, again, is changing something else in America. Yes. 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 I mean, and, and first of all, I just want to say that it, 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 it makes me so angry that we had to lose Mr. Floyd, that Mr. Mr. Floyd's family had to lose him, that that Breonna Taylor had to be lost 
had to be killed for us to come for us to come to this place. And 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 Mr. Floyd George had to be killed in such a brutal way. Um and it, we all witnessed it and there was just, you know, it, it was just it, it it has brought us to this moment of reckoning and I'm so thankful to to George Floyd's family. I'm so thankful to George Floyd and his absence. I'm so thankful to him, but I would take it back it, just to have him back. Just to have him back with his daughter, Gianna. Um, and, and I just think that it just is, it's infuriating that these moments have to happen for us to like suddenly find a conscience. You know, the SEC suddenly finds a conscience. The NCAA suddenly finds a conscience. The Conference USA suddenly finds a conference, a conscience because of the, the, the way that George Floyd was, was tortured and, and, and killed. Um, and it's a shame. It's just a shame that that has to happen. The governor desperately wants to avoid this. He wants the vo voters to vote on it. But you have some legislators who are under enormous pressure. I mean, Mississippi has gotten hit with economic sanctions before. This is different. And I think not only is economic sanctions, when that brother from Ole Miss said, I ain't going to play football. No. Exactly. Them white folks are scared these black ball players are not going to take the field or the court. Exactly. And I mean, I, Kylan Hill, his name is Kylan Hill, and he's a hero. He is a hero. He is a hero. He's a Mississippi. He's a running back from Mississippi State. And um, the, here's, here's, I've been, we did a, we did a rally at, at the SEC a few years ago in the rain. I, I, I wasn't able to go, but I, I put the money in to send folks in, to send folks from Mississippi to Alabama, to the SEC headquarters. And they was out there and we got filmed. They ended up on television and everything. But, uh, you know, they, we got, we didn't even get a response from the SEC. But now, you know, now all of a sudden, like I said, they have a conscience. They have a conscience. And I've been saying this. The reason why we sent those the reason why we sent them buses over there to the SEC, because we knew that we knew that what Mississippi ain't got but a couple of uh, economies that are that are viable. And one one of a couple one of them is the chicken plants and the other one, two of them. It's the chicken plants. It's, it's the church and it's football. If they lose football, the, 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 the injury that would be done to the economy in, in Starkville and in Oxford, which is where Mississippi State and Ole Miss are, they would never recover from that. They would never recover from that. And you don't know, think about it. All of this stuff is in question because of because of the virus now. And then you're going to add on to that the likelihood that there would be there would be no football at all. They, that's untenable. That is untenable for the state. And, 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 um, you know, let me, let me, let me, let me add, let me add this. So this idea of the, the Southern Baptist Convention, after all of this pressure, we've been, we've been writing to them and folks been saying stuff to them. And they have finally, they have finally said that, that the flag must come down. So the two most viable economies in the state of Mississippi, football and church, have finally said enough is enough and the flag must come down. And the, and the pressure is too strong. But even with all that pressure, Tate Reeves is on some, I'm so torn, who's the governor? I'm so torn, I don't know what to do. And 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 I'm praying about it. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. They were supposed to vote today at three o'clock and and they adjourned for some reason. So they're stalling. They are stalling. 
But, you know, there's they said they're going to go back. They're going to go back at 10 o'clock tomorrow. The fact is we just got to keep that. We have to keep the pressure on. The pressure has to be kept on these folks or, or they could do the same thing they did in 2001. The thing is, is racism outnumbers us in Mississippi. Racism outnumbers us. And that's why Tate Reeves wants to put it up for a vote, because he knows that. He knows that. He knows that he puts it up for a vote. It is going to the, the flag will remain the same because racism outnumbers us in Mississippi, period. Well, we will be watching this. Apparently, uh, there's they, I, again, I got a text saying there will be a vote tomorrow, a Saturday. Uh, Ten we'll, we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, if this legislature finally gets some guts uh, to get that Confederate emblem off the flag. And but the last point here and, and we and and. and We've had these very discussions before. There, there are black people, and I'm, I'm seeing some of the comments, who are saying, look, taking that emblem off that flag, not going to change a damn thing. How do, <laughs> that look right there is the response. How do you, uh, how, how, would you, how do you respond to them? Uh, two words. Uh, no, I got four of them, actually. Dylan Roof. Heather Heyer. And I'm not gonna, I don't need to say any more. I don't need to say all the other names, but I, those are the names that they, they should remember because that has happened in the last few years. When Dylan Roof went into Mother Emanuel AME Church in South Carolina and killed and massacred those black people after he prayed with them, we found pictures of Dylan Roof waving the Confederate flag. When Heather Heyer was mowed down in the streets of Virginia, she had Confederate flags flying all around her. That flag is, is not just a symbol, it is an instruction to, to terrorize American citizens. Hands down, point blank, full stop. And so what I know is, what I know is, is that this idea that, you know, it's not going to change anything. No, it's not going to change anything because you can't dismantle Confederate culture by taking down the Confederate flag. That the work of dismantling Confederate culture is, is hundreds of years in the making. That's why it was so hard for us to come to this moment because you're not, you're not taking down the flag. You are dismantling a culture. But the idea that these folks who were the, the architects of this culture would have to surrender themselves to another kind of vision is significant. It matters. And then we can start having really productive conversations about how the Confederate culture affects our lives. One is voting rights, workers' rights. And here's the other, here's the other thing when I talk about what, when folks say, oh, it don't matter, it does matter. Because people will walk, I'm, I'm talking about the everydayness of the flag. The everydayness of the flag is the fact that it is another kind of segregation. It's another kind of segregation. If you come to Mississippi and you you go and you go to see a store or something like that, and they got a flag, they got that flag hanging out there. You go, I'm not going in that store. If you go go to a restaurant, they got a flag hanging out. You go, I'm not going in that restaurant. If you go down a road and the first thing you see on the end of that road, I'm telling you because I'm living that life in Mississippi. If you see that flag at the end of that road. You're not going to go down that road. So what it does is, is white people don't have to say we're segregationists here. What they do is they put that flag there and you know not to go there. 
The other thing is a few, a couple years ago, I think this happened in 2018, if not 2016, there was a man who showed up in the Delta, North Mississippi, North Mississippi or the Delta, at a voting at a voting booth with a with a Confederate flag on his on his on his shirt and a noose on a, and a noose. Yep. I remember. So, yes, exactly. So when people saw that, when people saw what you think people thought? What do you think a voter who walks walks in a place and sees sees this white man with a Confederate flag and a noose on his chest? What do you think they think? That that oh I, I'm not scared of that. I'm not going. I don't have a reason to be afraid of that. And let me tell you this: but beyond whether you're afraid or not. He's telling you that you need to be afraid. He's telling you that you need to reconsider voting that day. That is what he is telling you. That is what that message is. That's what that message tells you that black people are not welcome here. You are not wanted here. It is another form of segregation. That's what it is. I'm going to say this right quick because I know you got other folks to talk to, but I think this is this is what this is the next step in this. That flag is going to come down. That's going that's going to happen. The next step is what is that? What is the flag that is going to replace it? That's the one thing. And already these segregationists are trying to chime in and say what the flag ought to look like. Right. You have this, you know, there's this, uh, this, the Stennis flag that is now called the hospitality flag that was designed by Lauren Stennis, who is the granddaughter of Senator John Stennis. John Stennis was almost a, a congressman for, for life from, from Mississippi. He's a Democrat. And beside being, besides being a segregationist and a signer of a, the, the Southern Manifesto, which, 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 which decried public integration, beside all of that, in this moment of talking about torture of Black men, John Stennis prosecuted a case in Mississippi in the 30s. And in that case, three men who were accused of killing a white uh, farmer. Those men were tortured. They, they, they were stripped of their clothing and beaten with leather straps on their backs. That's okay. That's, that's terrible. But one of them was strung up by a noose repeatedly until he told the police what they wanted to hear repeatedly hung by a noose. So what does that mean? They strung him up by, a, by his neck. Right before he died, they take him down. And then he, they will tell us what we want to hear. He didn't tell them what they wanted to hear because he would have lied if he did. And then they strung him up again. And they strung him up. He did that. They did that to that man repeatedly. The confession was the only evidence that they had in that case. The only evidence. And John Stennis knew it. The crime, the, the, the case was so heinous that the, the United States Supreme Court in Brown versus Mississippi, not Brown versus Board of Education, Brown versus Mississippi, overturned that case. The United States Supreme Court in the 30s said, you know what, you wrong for that. You wrong for doing that. That's who John Stennis is. And so he, his family wants to put his name on the next flag of the state of Mississippi. We cannot allow that to happen. One more thing, and I'm gonna let you go. Here's the thing: what hap what's gonna happen in Mississippi? Hopefully, Jesus this weekend 
is, is a display of ovaries that the United States Congress does not have. Because we would not be having this conversation about the, about the Confederate flag if the United States Congress would ban the flag nationwide in the first place. Why is it legal to fly that flag in the first place? The United States Marine Corps, even before George Floyd died, banned that flag months ago. NASCAR has banned the flag, the public display of the flag. Why isn't Congress involved? Why hasn't Congress said, okay, now it's time for us to ban that flag? And that's the next step in this. Organizations like PEN America and the ACLU, who have stood back and allowed domestic terrorism uh, for American citizens and, and hiding behind this idea of free speech, need to be the first people to call Nancy Pelosi on Monday morning and say, okay, our bad. It's time for this flag to come down everywhere, everywhere. All right, then. Andrew Ellis, always a pleasure. I appreciate it, darling. I'm sorry, I talked a lot, didn't I? <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, I, I got, I got uh, your kinfolk, who not your kinfolk, Terry Ellis, coming up next. Uh, uh -oh. And she has her new uh, song called Angry Woman uh, that's uh, dedicated to, of course, this movement. So uh, you might want to check that out. All right. All right. Thank you. Right, you thanks right. a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roland, for always standing up for us. Thank you. Bye. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Real quick to our panel. Uh, look, interesting point there, Teresa. She says Congress should ban that Confederate flag. What do you think? I absolutely agree. I mean, the passion behind... Um, the, the flag, but really it's the motion of the history of what it stands for, right? And I, and I think, you know, she, she's spot on because if once we take down the Confederate flag, the next question is, what are we putting up, right? And, and those discussions need to happen now, I believe, in tandem while we're asking for the takedown. Because mm. if we start putting, if we take, if my thought process is if we start removing a Confederate flag and then we start finding, we're not finding, we have individuals who, who's just like, well, since you won't get the flag that has that, maybe we can put a name that represents the same thing as the flag. It's, it's, it's pretty much the same exact thing, right? It's the same exact problem that's not having a solution. So uh, Congress absolutely need to do what they do um, for the people. And they need to ban the flag. You know, that is the next protest that needs to happen. That is the next subject matter. That is yep. the next reform. Um, but I do think people are making their voices clear locally with the organizations, the groups. Um, they are telling their elected officials that enough is enough. Right, right. And, you know, they want better. Uh, uh, Derek, should, should Congress ban the Confederate flag in America. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think it just, somebody needs to introduce that. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, that, that Mississippi running back that, uh, that they talked about, Kylan Hill, he's the highest in trophy candidate. So when he stood up, he brought a lot of attention to this issue, um, in addition to what she's been doing. And it's unfortunate because right now, uh, Mississippi is the only state that still has the Confederate flag the entire Confederate flag attire. And the question is, what you guys were just saying, what are they going to put up there instead? And what, and because even now there was, there's five other states that, that banned the Confederate flag, but they still have, you know, unfortunately the symbols from it, like, uh, like the X 
and the stars. Georgia, uh, Arkansas has stars. Georgia has a couple other states. So I'm 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 all for banning all elements, all of the attire from the uh, Confederate flag. It needs to go because it it, it represents so much. Um, it, I would say it points to the the whole South lost cause myth that endorses the supposed you know virtues of Southern way of life that a lot of white people still live by in the South. Yep. I got you. Uh, Rob? Yep, it endorses white supremacy. So what you, what you can have is state-sanctioned violence uh, saying the state, like, this is okay for us to represent this. Like, uh, and when I hear black folks, anybody say, well, we shouldn't worry about it. Can you imagine Jewish folks saying it would be okay for you to hang Nazism up there? No, of course not. It's the same thing. This was started. We, we know that Confederate flags were brought back to intimidate black people post-Reconstruction to put us in our place to make sure they put white superiority back. And these were traitors of the country. Like, I don't understand the argument in this. These, these people lost the war. They were traitors. They have no place there. The flag shouldn't be there. And it's there just to, just to preserve white superiority for some people. But you know what? Just like reparations, other people would rather light their own money on fire than to give reparations to black people. And I think some people feel the same way about the flag. They might just burn up the state and then actually get rid of the Confederate flag. But we got to keep fighting because this should be, this is about basic humanity. People have to respect us. This is just the beginning. Then we have to have a real conversation about what happened in this country. And it should be a reminder everywhere in this country, just like it is in Germany when they talk about the Holocaust. All right, folks. All right. A lot of people out there in the streets, uh, they are protesting. Well, first of all, let me do this here. Uh, let me thank the panel. Uh, I want to thank y'all, uh, Teresa, Derek, and Rob. Thanks a bunch. Derek, get your thank damn you. Wi-Fi fixed. I don't know what's going on. Maybe, maybe it's because today's my birthday. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> no, maybe it's because you know. It's my daughter, it's my daughter, and my my birthday. Maybe, maybe, maybe because Omegas don't know how to work the damn uh, uh, video. You know, it could be that too. <laughs> You need some Kappas and maybe a few Alphas to help you. Who knows? Now, now, now you know the Alphas can help. Don't even try that. I mean, don't. Right. Let's be real. We got some smart nukes, too. But, I mean, that, that's all what happens when you get that. That's, that's also what happens when you get that cricket ass Wi Fi. Oh, baby, don't rise in it. Yeah, for an hour and 45 minutes, we've been seeing a damn photo up there. Everybody else got video. My bad. It's a good looking picture, there. though. Yeah, and the, and, the, and the control room says, sound like his ass in the closet. Oh damn! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will say this, Roland. All and without without kissing up, you have a very very nice set. I would encourage people to help out to make to even prove improve what you're doing. Well, so, you know, you know, we we, up, we, we, nice we, set, we try to have a top flight show, except for people who got raggedy ass uh, Skype. <laughs> Uh, who can't log yeah, on? Compliment and see what you see what you come. No, I mean I'm just pointing out. I mean I appreciate that, but it'd be nice if all three panelists are actually on video. This is not a radio this is show. Connection. This is not an audio. This is not an audio podcast. Our shit work. It, you see Teresa and Rob. Everybody else working. Man. Everybody else working. It's only one person with a still photo. You. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to, to do some, uh, some research on what happened. Yeah, yeah okay. Real. All right. Thanks a lot, folks. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. All right, y'all. So y'all hear the show. A lot of y'all love our theme song. Y'all go get it ready to play. Get it ready to play. So let me tell you what actually happened. So when the National, when the National Museum of African American History and Culture opened, um, uh, Terry Ellis and Cindy Heron, they said, we got, we got a gift for you. 
Now, I was like, okay, I thought they were about to give me like an iPhone or something. Uh, and then they told me, they said, because, uh, okay, so I'm going to take it back. So when we did News One Now, when we did News One Now on TV One, I asked several people who I know, could they do, give me a sample of something of a theme song for the show? I, I didn't want that boring-ass news music they did. So um, Kirk Whalem did something. And Cindy and Terry did something. But TV, TV One shows, they were like, oh, they didn't want to. It went to that boring-ass news music. Uh, and so Cindy and Terry said, because of all the work that I do in terms of empowering our people, they wanted to gift me uh, this song. Uh, and uh, so this, so when y'all go ahead and play it, this is Cindy Heron and Terry Ellis of In Vogue. They are, they, they are responsible for the intro. Producer Slick as well. He did that. And so Terry Ellis joins us right now. What up, Terry? Hey! My you were talking about me earlier, too. Huh? You, you know I'm not tech savvy. I know. Lord have mercy. I was sitting here. I was like, hopefully she'll get on before the show ends. Lord have, <laughs> Lord have mercy. That's what happens when you go to Worthing. You know I wasn't gonna let you down. That's what happened when you go to Worthing. See, oh, oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. What? Oh, you gonna go there, right? What? At Jack oh, at, at Jack Gates, we had the School of Communications. That's what you say. No. That's what you know, I'm just saying, I, I ain't going to take a shot at the Prairie View. I don't want the PVP people mad at me. But uh, glad to have you on. So all the protests out there, and you have dropped a new song that really speaks to it. Y'all go ahead and play it. Y'all have it? Y'all have it? Okay, fine. I got it. All right. See, let me go ahead and play it on my end. All right, y'all. The song is called Angry Woman. Check it out. States, the construct of racism was created specifically to oppress black people too, try to suppress our determination to achieve liberation. Like Angela Davis said, it's built into the system. Nowadays I can't believe what's going on in front of me. I don't want to watch TV and find another casualty. I don't want to read the Heart's already black and blue I'm putting on my combat boots Cause I got an attitude We're like soldiers forced to fight a war What the hell? I can't take it anymore Cause for so long we've been patient Now we're done Don't you even ask me when did I become an angry black woman. 
was it anything, was it one, anything in particular where you said, "Yo, I, 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 I got, I got to get this out." Uh well, I, I don't know if you know or not, but this song was it was written and recorded literally four years ago. Mm. Uh, the first incident um, that we heard of, you know, one of our brothers saying they couldn't breathe was Eric Garner. Um, I was working on um, some music at the time, and I, I wanted something that that spoke uh, loud and, and strong um, to what we as Black people um, have been feeling for over 400 years now. Um, and, you know, we always get the title, uh, Angry Black Woman, but no one asks us why we're angry. And so, um, you know, at the time, it was it was a culmination of everything that was going on at the time. And I, I wanted to give a voice to how I was feeling and how so many of us as Black people um, and Black women are feeling. I'm, I'm having these conversations on a daily basis with my with my friends and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at home. I'm, you know, dealing with the uh, COVID and and trying to follow the protocols to stay healthy and, and safe. But I got to sit at home and watch on television my brothers and sisters being murdered by police brutality. It's senseless. It's unconscionable. And I wanted to speak about it. I just I just wanted to give a voice to it. And obviously, um, I mean, many uh, artists are being moved by this. Trey Songz dropped 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 a song. Uh, the Chicks, formerly the Dixie Chicks, uh, dropped a song as well. And, and it's and, and uh, B.B. Uh, Winans sent me a song the other day that he's releasing uh, this week as well. Uh, and you released this on Juneteenth for a reason. Well, you know, it, it um, that actually wasn't necessarily intentional. However, um, you know, when I think about uh, what I was feeling and, and wanting to express how I was feeling, I wanted to free myself of the anguish that I was feeling when I think about our history and when I think about what we're going through now. So Juneteenth uh, was uh, actually a very appropriate time because when we were told that we were free. I mean, even just thinking about that, someone telling us that we're free. Really? We're talking about human beings here. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a God-given right. How, who are you to tell me I'm free? You also, it's titled Angry Black Woman. And you like, look, I, I ain't trying to sit here and be kumbaya with this thing. Absolutely not. And, and, and here's the thing. As a human being, we go through a range of emotions. And uh, you, when you're not comfortable, when you are um, not feeling good, you're not feeling well, you're not feeling good about things happening in life as a human being, um, you're either going to be feeling, and there's a range of them. I, I, I'm not going to call all of them, but there's a range of them. When you're feeling um, hopeless, uh, despair, um, anguish, heartbroken, hurt, uh, duped, bamboozled, uh, your intellect is being, being challenged. Um, anger is the best emotion to reach for because it, it 
it's on the road to your self-empowerment. I want my power back. I don't want to continue to sit and feel hopeless and, and feel like I can't do anything about what I'm feeling, about what I'm seeing. Um, I don't want to sit and, and, and continue to bask in despair and, and feel heartbroken. I want to do something about it. I want to express it. You have, so, a lot, you have a lot of sisters out there who are actually protesting, who are marching, many of them are leading as well. And so uh, I'm sure uh, uh, Tamika Mallory or uh, some of the other sisters out there uh, would really appreciate uh, this song here because they're making it clear. They said, no, no, we pissed off. We're angry. We need some stuff to change. Yeah, and we have every right to be, every reason to be. We're not just fighting for civil rights. We're fighting for human rights. Absolutely. Well, Terry, it is a great song. Uh, we certainly enjoy it. Angry Woman, people can get it. Uh, I would assume on all mu music platforms, they can stream it as well. Right. And so it's uh, always good to see you, my girl. Thank you. I love you. And I love you as well. And I certainly appreciate uh, support. Uh, and for all y'all out there, not only did Cindy uh, and uh, Terry give us the song, they're also members of the Breeding the Funk fan club. They, they sent That's one of the first checks before we even launched the show. Just want y'all to know that. Uh, and so they yep. certainly support this show. So we appreciate all that you do. Thanks a bunch, love. We got you. God all right. bless. Thanks a lot, bunch, darling. Folks, the song Angry Woman. Y'all be sure to get it, download it, and support Terry Ellis. Got to go to a break. We come back. Comedian Dulo is here. And y'all, he's launching a major, major deal. Uh, it's pretty cool. So we're going to have some last. We'll talk about this new deal he's doing. Next, the Roland Martin Unfiltered. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them. As they've slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. Those who are lost now, their legacy must be our lives. They can hear you, and the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Amazing grace. Dispatching thousands and thousands of heavily armed soldiers. We dominate the streets. I won't traffic in fear and division. I won't fan the flames of hate. It's time to pick up our heads. Remember who we are. This is the United States of America. Y'all, uh, Joe Biden dropped that last ad last month targeting Donald Trump. The ad said 96,000 people died. Folks, that number is now 125,000. That's 29,000 folks have died in this country due to coronavirus. You saw the video there of Donald Trump uh, going to play golf. Well, guess what? He was supposed to go play golf this weekend at his golf course in New Jersey, but canceled that trip because clearly his advisor said, 
uh, it's going to look real stupid of you going out there playing golf while these cases are spiking all across the country. These online ads have been real powerful. We've been playing a lot of them uh, targeting Trump. And trust me, folks, it's having an effect. Republicans are running scared. They are now saying that it is Joe Biden's race to lose. But let me go ahead and be real clear with y'all. I want y'all to ignore every single one of these polls. I don't give a damn about any poll that says Joe Biden is leading by 12 points. I don't care about the polls saying he's leading in North Carolina, leading in Texas, leading in Michigan, leading in Pennsylvania, leading in Wisconsin. It does not matter. The way to beat Donald Trump and to put all these Republicans who are his enablers, we got to target people, we got to educate them, we got to register folks to vote, we got to mobilize, and we got to organize. What did my man say in the movie Remember the Titans? Herman, leave no doubt. I'm not interested in a close race in November. Leave no doubt. Crush Donald Trump. That's what should happen in November. So if any of your friends get excited, oh, it's in the bag, you slap the hell out of them and tell them, no, it's not. That man has appointed 200 federal judges, right-wing judges, many of them who do not believe in civil rights, who do not believe in anything when it comes to our issues. And the bottom line is this here, we cannot allow another four years of this level of ignorance that we're seeing from this administration time for them to go. Hashtag fire Trump in November. All right, folks, have, uh, have not been able to reach Dulo, so uh, we're going to go ahead and close the show out. I want to thank all of you for watching the show today. Again, more than 4,000 of you on YouTube, more than 1,000 of you on Facebook. We appreciate it. Y'all have been so, so supportive of the show. Don't forget, join our Bring the Funk fan club. We need you to do what we do, folks. Uh, cash out, pull it up, dollar sign right there, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, PayPal, Venmo, uh, and, of course, you can send a cashier's check uh, to uh, New Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 20006. Folks, we got some great things coming up. I got an announcement next week. It's pretty big. Can't wait to tell y'all. Enjoy the weekend. Have fun with your family. Be safe. Wash your hands. Carry your uh, hand sanitizer. Please wear your mask. Stop playing games with this. Young black folks all around this country, especially in Atlanta, in Miami, in these places, stop congregating in these groups. Practice social distancing. Half of all new coronavirus cases are people 40 and under. This is no joke. It's impacting us. Let's be sure to save ourselves. Black voters matter. Y'all know what that means. We got to go. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. 
I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 